Principal Matters Podcast, episode 295. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about a mastermind on legacy. This past school year, I've had the privilege of connecting with leaders from across the U.S., but specifically with some schools in the great state of Ohio through a series of Zoom meetings that I've been able to host. And we have worked through 20 sessions of learning together, covering leadership content, including lessons from my newest book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. In our final session for this school year, I shared some ideas from the final chapter of the book on leaving a legacy as an education leader. And afterwards, I reached back to five of the members to ask if I could share some of that conversation and their comments as a part of this week's podcast episode. So as you listen, you're going to hear me sharing some ideas on why school leaders must keep in mind what kind of legacy that they are leaving, why it's important for you to recognize both your importance, but also how you need to step away sometimes to why you need to be willing to understand inspiration, but also be willing to disappoint others in leadership. And finally, why we need to constantly be willing to learn in leadership. You're going to hear some comments from several leaders, including these school leaders, Ian Frank, who's the leader at Cincinnati College Preparatory Academy, Rachel Smith from Youngstown Community School in Youngstown, Ohio, Dr. Lisa Miner at the Dayton Business Technology High School, Giselle James at Par Excellence Academy in Newark, Ohio, and Noah Campbell at Discovery Academy in Toledo. I want to thank each of these leaders and others who met regularly with me to learn and to grow in accountability and reflection and encouragement. And if you are interested in how you can become a part of a Principal Matters leadership group or a mastermind, then please just email me. You can reach out at william at williamdparker.com. Just put mastermind in the subject line. And I would love to reach back to you with more information about opportunities for the 22-23 school year. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you again for doing what matters. And I'll talk to you soon. We have spent this entire, uh, this last really nine sessions of time that we've been together, and I'm going to go and share my screen, um, talking through the content of of the book, Pause, Breathe, Flourish. And thank you for, for your quick check-ins. Um, and some of you guys I know are connected with my, my content and my resources. And if you are able to listen to uh, the podcast that I share out each week, I try to pick a different person each week that can provide value or ideas that that he or she is learning in their school leadership as well. But we've spent uh, the bulk of this semester talking through educator self-care, you know, when a crisis hit, who breathes first. And, and so I just wanted to review a little bit before we hit the final area that we're going to talk about today. Um, and just a reminder, I, I got to fly to Florida last week with my wife. Uh, I had an event to, uh, that I was attending there and so we combined work and pleasure. And so I spent my day in meetings, but our mornings we spent walking the beach and in our evenings 
we got to spend just looking at the beautiful landscape there. But every flight we took on the way down there, they do the same conversation where they remind you what to do in a crisis. You put your oxygen mask on first before you place it on others. And unfortunately, in school leadership, we do the opposite. We put everyone else's oxygen masks on, and then we pass out <laughs> before we put ours on. And I know my experience in, uh, has been very similar to yours in that it's really hard sometimes for us to breathe first, which is why I'm so proud of you guys for jumping into these meetings to just think about your growth and reflection. But we've hit several areas in that conversation. We've talked about our bodies. How do we tend the gardens? You know, whether that's good sleep, nutrition, exercise, what are we doing to take care of ourselves physically? We've talked about our mental playlists. What are we doing to place our into our minds the ideas and thoughts and learning that are going to help us stay inspired for the days ahead? We've talked about our influence. Is when we step into a room, are we providing a healthy or toxic environment for the people that are around us? And how do we continue to push for positive culture. We've talked about managing our time. How do we make the most of our moments? And you guys are masters of time management or you wouldn't be school leaders. Hey, Billy, I see your face. It's great to have you in the room this morning. We also have talked about the importance of our relationships, including our friendships. How are we climbing with others? Because we cannot do this alone. And if our lives are just built around our work and we forget the important relationships that we have, then we're going to find ourselves really struggling um, when it comes to what's most meaningful. We've talked about our spirituality, and all of us come from different expressions and different places when it comes to our faith, but we talked about how important it is for us to connect with the meaningfulness of, uh, of life and beauty um, outside of our, of our, the things outside of our own control. Uh, we talked about our resources, how are we utilizing and, and taking care of those things so that we can manage well um, so that we can be generous and so that we're not overwhelmed uh, by our resources, but that our resources become a tool and an instrument for helping others. Uh, we talked about our intimacies, our most important relationships uh, in your families, your partnerships, your marriages. Um, we've talked about last time together, our futures, how are we providing others with a stronger focus? And then today we're going to focus on uh, the last area, which is just how do we think about our own legacies as we step forward. And I know this is a hard time of year to think about legacy because right now you're trying to land that plane and wrap up the year. But I do want to park here today because I think sometimes it's important for us to take a step back from ourselves a little bit and ask some questions that may help us keep perspective. And I want to start with a story. Um, in 2017, John McCain, um, Senator John McCain passed away. And, and there was a lot of it was a rare moment in politics where you saw a lot of people from both sides of the aisle taking a moment uh, to take a break from being mean to one another to say something nice about one of their own colleagues. And I had read an interview uh, from John McCain's uh, final years where he was asked by a reporter before he died, how do you want to be remembered? And he said um, on his tombstone, he hoped that it, that his tombstone said um, he was uh, a great American, you know, who served with honor. And I, as I thought about, you know, John McCain's own reflections about himself, I had to pause and ask myself that question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you, what do you want on your epitaph? Um, but I'm asking you this morning, what would you want others to say about you? And I seriously doubt that you would want um, them to say that you caught up on all your emails. <laughs> 
<laughs> that you are really good at, you know, fill in the blank because all of us are really good at certain things. And maybe catching up on our emails is important to us, but I seriously doubt that at the end of our lives, um, the things that we spend a lot of time on may not be as important to us when we're at that moment. There was a New York Times article a couple of years ago that uh, was talking about a researcher who had gone back through the obituaries of thousands and thousands of obituaries that had been written in the New York Times for decades. And this person had done a word search to look for what was the most common word that was used to describe a person when they passed away by others. And the word that kept coming up more and more and more of the way that people were described in their last days was the word help. This person helped others. This person was a help to this group. This person was a help to their family. And so I think it's important for us to think about our own legacy being in the context of how are we helping others. And I want to get really personal here for just a moment, but I think I've talked a little bit about my own personal story. This is a me. This is me as a six-year-old, and this is my family. Uh, when I was just a little boy, that's me right there um, in the in, in the corner. Uh, my dad was in the Navy when this picture was taken, and he had just m- made the decision to uh, leave and transition back to Northwest Tennessee. So we had, there are five kids, four, uh, five, bo- four boys and a girl. Uh, my grandmother lived with us too. And uh, we moved back to Northwest Tennessee out into the middle of nowhere. And I grew up from the time I was five to 15 on a farm uh, in a very rural part of Northwest Tennessee. Uh, and my story, I'm sure, is like a lot of other people's. But I was a, uh, w- my dad was an electrician by trade. Um, and, uh, but we struggled. Uh, and I, I know that now looking back, I didn't know it as a kid, as a kid, I was just having the time of my life living on a farm and going to school. But when I look back at that time period, it wasn't until I was a teacher and I was helping kids fill out free and reduced lunch forms that I realized, Hey, I was that kid every single year, my family qualified for free and reduced lunches because um, my mom and dad's income just was always very, very modest. Uh, we we lived on a gravel road. And this, and I'm not saying this to, to this is just who I was. We did not have a phone. Uh, we did not have a mailbox. We had to go a mile up the road to gather mail from my grandparents' house. Uh, we were very rural, and uh, my children tease me and say that my mom. They'll say, "Mom, my wife." They'll say, mom grew up in the 70s and the 80s, dad. You grew up in the 30s and the 40s uh, because I lived so far in backwoods. But when I was 15, my dad re-enlisted in the military and we left Northwest Tennessee and we lived in New York and in Virginia. And my and that kind of opened my my eyes to the, to the world outside of where I had um, been raised, that uh, the world's much bigger. I went from this very rural environment to a very urban environment. And so I was, uh, I ended up going to three high schools. And so by the time I went to college, um, my experiences had placed me in a lot of different contexts. But I, I wanted to go here this morning because when I think back to my own education experience, it was my teachers, especially in those younger years, who took time to invest in me, to believe in me, to encourage me. I remember my eighth grade English teacher, Rita Owen, pulled me aside one afternoon and she said, Will, I I would like to encourage you to think about taking an advanced English class next year because you are a good writer. 
And that was the first time anyone had ever said something to me that made me believe maybe I was smart. And, and I know she was that encouraging to all the kids, but it just took that teacher's encouragement for me to start thinking about the possibilities. And as I stepped into high school, and, and I do love writing, and when I decided to go to college and became an English major like Miss Owens, and when I decided to become a teacher, I have to think back to that one conversation that really began to influence the path that I ended up choosing to do the things I do now. And you guys all have that same story. You have somebody in your past who, who encouraged you or who inspired you or who believed in you, and that you're living out their legacy now. I'm living out a legacy of people who believed in me. Uh, this, you know, this little boy from Northwest Tennessee who uh, now has been able to contribute back to the lives of kids and, and people too. And I remember driving home from school one day with one of my daughters, uh, Maddie, who's my second daughter, and we were talking about how weird it was the way that I grew up. And, and I was saying to her, I'm not sure how to tell my story to other people without sounding like I'm just trying to brag on myself that I became a teacher or I became a principal or now I'm an author. And she said, Dad, it's not bragging if you give credit to the people who deserve it, which is the people who inspired you to do what you do. And I had to, it was like one of those dad proud moments where you're like, my daughter just, just, just said it like it is. And I, so I just want to, I just want to encourage you guys this morning. How have your experiences changed you? To just reflect, how have the things that you have experienced changed who you are and how you're now influencing other people? And I, and I wanted to take a moment this morning as we think about legacy to just ask you also to think about even this year, this past few years, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like our schools have turned a little bit of a corner when it comes to the pandemic in being able to step back into some of the things that we were doing prior to all of the all of the craziness of that crisis. And I know all of your schools have been in different places when it comes to protocols and safety and back in person, but I feel like we're turning a corner and I don't want to get my hopes up. Um, but how have these experiences changed you? And have you taken time to look at the big picture of those experiences? And so I, I want you to, if you want to write some things down, I'm going to ask you a few questions for reflection. And I want you just to take a minute and reflect with me about some things. And this may be something you want to do as you wrap up your year with your staff, because I think sometimes it's important to reflect on how your experiences are changing you. And so the first question I want to ask you is this, what is one lesson that you've learned through reaching a milestone this school year? And that milestone might be anything different for each of you, but every one of you guys has reached a milestone this year whether that's just making it to the end of the year back in person, or maybe uh, reaching your milestone was being able to see increases in test scores, or maybe your milestone was simply being able to re-engage people in, in, in the programs that you consider most meaningful to your school. But what's the milestone that you feel like you've reached this year? And what's a lesson that you've learned through that milestone? Take a moment and just reflect on that. What's a lesson that you've learned or a milestone that you've reached this year? And for the sake of time, I'm just going to keep going through these questions with you. But I, feel free to jot these down um, because I'd love to hear some reflection on this in just a moment, too. Number two, what is one practice that you, I should have said, you have discarded or will discard? What is something you've stopped doing 
that you're glad I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to, when, as I move forward, we're just not doing this anymore. Because in leadership, when you say yes to things, you should also be saying no to things too. There has to, there have to be things that you're going to allow to no longer continue if you're going to be adding more to the list of things to do. And so I want you to think about what is something that you've decided to retire or discard, and you're going to just leave that on the, on the, on that pile of discard, because that's an important thing to, to recognize that, hey, we're taking some things off of our plate so that we can make space for the things that we want to do. And the third question I want you to reflect on is, what is a new practice, something you have adopted, something that you're doing new, that you want to continue, that you found this is something of value that you're doing now? Um, maybe it's the PD that we're doing together, or maybe it's for me, I, I have had the privilege of being able to connect virtually with more people the last couple of years, and that's a practice that I want to continue. It's it's provided all kinds of value for me to be able to sit in a room like right now with you guys um, and not fly to every place in, in America that I want to visit. Uh, and so that's a practice. I don't know, what are some practices you guys have adapted this school year that you want to hold on to now? And you're like, you know, this is this is a good practice. And then the final question I like to ask when I'm reflecting on a school year is, to whom do I need to express gratitude? Who is someone this year, or who are someones? There's lot, usually there's lots of people. Who are the people this year who have contributed so meaningfully to the work that we do? And have I taken an opportunity to express gratitude to them? And so I, the reason I wanted to start here this morning is because I, I know as you're stepping into these last few weeks of school, that landing that plane is going to be so important to all of those to-dos that you have on your list, but also is, I think, is the importance of reflection and taking the opportunity to think through your year and to ask yourself, what can I hold on to from this year? What am I going to let go? And then who am I going to thank as I step into this year as well? So let me pause there for just a moment because I, I'm probing a lot without asking you guys for feedback, and I know for the sake of time that... Um, that I'm, I'm trying to pace getting through this content, but I, I don't want to miss an opportunity. So let me just ask for a second, if you can, um, if you, if you feel comfortable, open your mic, you could, anything from that list, any thought that popped into your mind of something that you're going to take away from the school year? Um, I would love to just hear some thoughts. So let me pause and see if anyone wants to express some thoughts. I'll go first. And it's just because I have to leave in a few minutes to go out for uh, the buildings. No, from this group I've taken, I mean, I've joined, joined a gym. Um, I actually went and got a CAT scan of my heart last week, which I never would have done. Um, and, you know, there was, there was some pain there a few weeks ago, but there's nothing there, thank goodness. But the point is I would have just shoved it off and moved on. So just, I think real quick, just a reflection of, of self-care I've learned from this group. Ian, thank you for saying that. And thank you for taking care of you, man. We, we've loved having you in this group and you're taking care of you means we get to get, we get to enjoy more of you. So I appreciate that. So I would just like to share, you know, the one thing, just, just kind of a larger, broader um, issue is the practice of discarding things. So over the last um, couple of years, we've been partnering with Youngstown State University. One of their um, data gurus does the DESA, and she's always 
collecting information from local schools and we've always been a part of that. Well, she reached out at the beginning of this year, but we had started a new, we started PACS and GVG for our kids. Um, we, for behavior management, we started officially with the PBIS system. We started a whole bunch of new things. So when I got the email about the DESA, I was like, sure, we'll do the DESA again, but I, I should have said no. So the one thing that we will not do moving forward is continue with the DESA because frankly, in our BLT, we've also decided we're not getting a great deal of useful information. I mean, we're getting some information about kids, you know, kind of moving forward with that social emotional learning and whatnot, but it's really not impacting what we're doing um, like it maybe did initially a couple of years ago when we first started. So I think just the idea of making sure that you've got a healthy balance between, you know, saying yes, but then also it's okay to say, you know what, no, this doesn't fit into what we're doing right now, or we just frankly don't have, you know, any other energy and time to put forward or to put forth for this. Um, so that's something important that I want to continue to remember as a leader. Now, Rachel, that's so important, and that's so that's a lot. There's a lot of wisdom there, and it's hard to know like what to discard. Sometimes you even have to discard things you've loved. Um, but if you're going to make time for what's most meaningful, you have to you have to make those decisions. Um, it's just it's inevitable. Otherwise, people just burn out because we don't take anything off the plate. <laughs> Other thoughts? Um, I'll go next. Uh, this group helped me to really learn to be patient and observe. Uh, I can be like a type A leader. And this was my first um, year at this particular school with the dropout recovery high school and uh, having a lot of things in my mind, but then having to step back um, because of the self-care practices that we did, it, it, it created a sense in me to be concerned about the self-care of the staff and what's happening. And so uh, that's been most helpful. I actually piggybacked off of this meeting and would use it as an icebreaker so that the staff would think about those five questions about our awareness and health and physical, spiritual and all of that. Um, so it helped me get to know them better as they would express what their strengths were in those areas and what they were working on. And as we all worked on it together. so. Uh, that just really helped a lot. That makes my heart happy, Lisa, that you, and please, please still share anything from these meetings because that's, I, that's the best part about being an educator is every time I learn something and you learn something, you're like, oh, I have, now I have something new that I can take into, to learning with others too. I will say this, the leadership meetings really help you not feel so alone mm -hmm. with your struggles. Um, <clears throat> because I don't, there's no other schools like my school any place around. And there's no meetings like, you know, that we have except for the convocation that regularly get together with leaders. So the leadership and hearing what you, everybody else has gone through has been real meaningful to figure out where we are and what, where we should go and what we should do. And um, it's just a way um, for, I think, if you're going to be a leader, this is a to meet and just listen to what people are talking about is very important. Thanks, so Jesus. it just, it makes you feel more confident in your decision-making. Yeah. And you're not, not only are um, you correct about how mm -hmm. leaders 
how you may feel alone and this is a way for you to connect with the learning of others. Yeah. But every leader I meet feels the same way. Yeah. They're like they 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 feel like they're working on an island. And then when they can sit in a room with other leaders, they realize, oh, I'm not the only one. It's just yeah. often you're the only one in your building who does what mm -hmm. you do. And it can be it can become really lonely really fast. Mm -hmm. Noah, any thoughts you want to add? Um, I think the the biggest thing for me is just learning to give myself and people around me more grace. I think that um, this whole period of time that we have gone through has just, you know, with people being out with with COVID or out because they were close contacts and dealing with kids being hybrid and virtual, like just, I've had to learn how to give more grace, um, both to myself and to people around me. So I think that that's, um, that's a lesson that I've learned. And also that is kind of my same answer for number three and what I would like to continue to give um, moving forward. One practice that I want to discard is I want to and I've told my admin team this already, we can no longer use COVID as an excuse for anything. It, it's never going to, it's not over. It's never going to be over. It's something that we're going to have to live with. Um, we can no longer use it as an excuse for why this isn't working or why these kids are behaving a certain way. It's the world we live in now and we have to adapt and put in place practices that will help us be successful. So I, 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 I just, I don't, I, I don't want to use the, the term like, well, you know, COVID and then follow that up with the reason why we're not achieving the way we need to. Uh, and then expressing gratitude just needs to be really everyone in the building. We've all really banded together over the last two plus years to get through this. And um, we've finally kind of come out the other side to something that resembles normalcy. Um, and I just really appreciate the staff being here each and every day and just plowing through wall after wall after wall to um, make the kids as successful as they can be. So I just, there's a, there's a lot of gratitude that I owe my entire staff. Oh my goodness. You guys have said so many powerful things um, this morning. So thank you for your reflections. And um, I'm so glad I paused because your, your thoughts are, um, uh, just so important. I, there's a part of me that wants to go back and just listen to this recording all over again because the lessons you guys are are taking to your staff and Noah, I don't know if I've heard anyone say it like that, which is, you know, we can't use COVID as an excuse ever again because you're right. Um, we've got to take care of these kids moving forward in the new reality in which we live, whatever it looks like. And, um, and so that's, I think that's such an important perspective. So I want to stay on this topic of, of legacy building um, by just sharing five takeaways this morning <clears throat> that I hope are going to be helpful. And this one does not sound very encouraging. So let me explain what I mean by it. Uh, but I often have to say this to leaders. And this is not Will being mean. This is just Will being real. You are not as important as you think you are. Sometimes we give ourselves way too much responsibility for the outcomes of our schools by thinking that if that this school would not exist without me. And I'm just here to tell you, this school can exist without you, and it should be able to exist without you at some point. Because strong leadership, the goal of strong leadership is to be able to build others so that they can lead without you. And so <clears throat> so this morning, I, I, I want to start with that, with that reminder. Noah, you have your hand up. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Sorry, I had to turn away for one second. I had somebody come in, but I'm glad you said that. I always tell my admin team, like, our goal 
is to is to create a system where we are obsolete. Um, and I know it'll never happen, but like I would love so much if we got to a point where we were just such a well-oiled machine that I could just stop showing up and no one would know because it was just be like, obviously not that I would do that, maybe some days I might, but it, it, it's, you know, we want to exist to support, um, but we want to get so good at building systems and structures that the, the support is unneeded because people are just so great and everything runs so smoothly. So I, that really resonated with me when you said that, because I always tell my admin team, like, support like you want us to be obsolete eventually, like that, that so that they won't need us um, in the hopes that someday they might not. And, and we can use, use that, those resources elsewhere. Well, and, and I'll just give you an example. I have a friend who's been, <clears throat> he's leading a high school that uh, this is his 20th year. I mean, so he's been in it for the long term. And he told me a few months ago, he said, Will, I have realized that now my number one goal, now that he has his systems and he has his operations and he's built a team over all these years, he says, I realize now my number one goal is to encourage and motivate and, and resource my people so they can do the work. But, it, but, but that's, that's a man who's been able to invest years and years and years into building the kind of place that he wants to be able to, so that he can step away and mm. it can, it can run without him, but it takes time to get there. But whether you're in a new work or a work that has a lot of legacy, either way, that perspective and what you said is so important, Noah, that, that we are, we have to keep that in perspective that our, our ultimate goal as leaders is to build the capacity of others to, to go without us. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously we need to be there in order for that to happen. But if we were to step away, have we built their capacity where they can keep moving forward? And this leads to the second point I want to make, which is going to sound like a contradiction. You are more important than you think you are. And let me, let me, let me phrase that in, in this context. Even though it's important as a leader for us to build the capacity of others to lead without us, your ability to be in the moment when you step in and to recognize how powerful your influence is, is super important. Because sometimes we forget as leaders, small words, small attitudes, a smile on our face, those things can really affect the, the culture, the influence, the atmosphere of those who are around us. And so sometimes we forget that just a small pat on the back is super, super encouraging for somebody else. And so while we're remaining humble, which is why I wanted that first statement to be in there, we also need to remain aware that our presence when we are there is super important. The way that we behave, the way that we treat others is, is monumental. And as leaders, I don't think we remember sometimes the weight that our words and presence carry. And that's not to give us an ego trip. That's also a, an act of humility because if I think back to my years in school leadership, <clears throat> well, let me think back to my years as teaching. I always, the weight of the things that my leaders said to me was often bigger than I think they realized. And so it's sometimes we say things to people and we don't necessarily recognize the weight that it carries just because of the role that we're in. And so like it or not, leadership always has those dynamics. Sometimes we just want to be ourselves and we need to be, but we need to recognize that our influence is always carrying weight when we step into a room or to a an event or to an office or to a classroom. And so keep that in mind that those small little things that you do every single day can really 
set a trajectory for the attitudes that other people carry as well. And so that moment that you might take to just stop, um, I always had a rule that when someone would step into my office or to, up to me as a person, if I was on a device, on my phone or a computer, I would turn away from it for a complete minute so that they had my eye contact and my undivided attention so that they recognized that they're more important than my task. Now, sometimes you're in the middle of a crazy situation and that's just not possible. You know, you're, you're putting out a fire. And so you may have to just politely say, I'm so sorry I'm putting out a fire or I'm dealing, can I follow up with you later? So I, I'm not saying that's, that's a rule that you can always follow religiously, but I'm just saying that being aware that every single moment is an important moment for you to influence others positively or negatively is an also an important moment of, of clarity too. Number three, and you don't need me to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this anyway, relationships always come first. So when you're building great organizational structure, when you're closing out your school year, when you're planning for graduation ceremonies or end of the year awards, whatever, whatever is on that to-do list this week and the next couple, um, people are still more important than outcomes. And as long as we keep that reminder in our heads, then we're going to make sure that that's the reason we're building. That's the reason we're doing. That's the reason that we're so busy is because we want to build up the other people that we're serving. So those relationships still come first. And I guarantee the people that are in your building today are going to be feel way more cared for if you're providing them with the resources that they need and you care about their families and you care about their health. I loved what Ian said earlier about, I think all of you said this, that, you know, not just, no, Lisa, you said this too, not just my, just not just my self-care, but the self-care of my staff. How am I making sure that I'm relating to them that I care about, about their outcomes too? So building those relationships. And then I, I want to give you this reminder as leaders too, especially as you think about the legacy you're leaving this school year. You guys are all courageous leaders. You have to make hard decisions every single day. And I just want to remind you, sometimes those courageous decisions inspire other people to do better. And sometimes they disappoint people. And guess what? It's okay. Both of those are okay. The things that you're doing every single day that are courageous and hard, for some people, they're just inspiring. They're like, man, I'm so glad I have a leader who can make that hard decision for me. And for some other people, it really upsets them. But that's leadership. <laughs> leadership is both helping other people and disappointing some people. But that just comes with the territory. And I think it's important for you not to beat yourself up, it, 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 to pat yourself on the back when it's appropriate, um, and to take the blame when it needs to, when you need to own it. But to just live in that reality, that that's just the reality of leadership. Sometimes you inspire people, sometimes you disappoint people, and it's going to happen. You, you just, as many highs as you're going to have in the next few days, you're going to have just as many knockdowns. And that just comes with, with leading. And if leadership didn't involve both of those, it wouldn't have a lot of, there wouldn't be a lot of satisfaction, I don't think, because you know that you find your greatest satisfactions in the places where you take risks and then hit success. But risks also come with the potential for failure. And so you're going to, it's going to, it's going to require both. And you would not be moving forward if you weren't both accomplishing goals and hitting obstacles. It's just the reality um, that we experience there. Um, and then the last thing that I want to say is you can be in the moment and always learning at the same time. Uh, the, the original wording that I had, and this is actually uh, content that I pulled from this chapter in my book, the original wording I had was, you never arrive, 
and you should always be learning. But then I, I rephrased it because I wanted to think about this. Sometimes you do arrive and it, and it is okay to recognize in the moment that you're, that there's something here to celebrate. And so I want to I want to caution myself away because I'm one of those people that's always looking for the next thing. I want to caution myself not to always be looking for the next thing too. That sometimes we need to pause and celebrate the moment, but we also need to be constantly reflecting on what can we do next uh, of where we're going to grow because that's what learning entails. Learning is all about reflection and and what's next, the not yet. And so um, and and sometimes I think that. We, I tend to wrestle with that tension, but I think that's an important tension. Celebrating being in the moment, but also realizing that there's still more to learn. So in summary, when you think about building your legacy for the school year and the years to come, keep all those things in mind, that you're not as important as you think, but you are more important than you think, that relationships are the most important outcomes, that we have to accept that we're both inspiring and disappointing at the same time, and that we may never completely arrive, although I rephrased that to you can be in the moment and keep learning at the same time. So let me pause there for a moment. What are some thoughts that are coming to your mind as we've as we've walked through some of those reminders? I like what you're I like what you're saying. It, it makes reminds me of what my mother used to tell me whenever I would hit a bump in the road. She would say to me, who do you think you are that bad things won't happen to you? And this, what you're saying is, you know, makes me think about that. And that always got me through because she said, everybody gets their bump in the road. So why do you think it shouldn't happen to you? Be prepared, take care of it and move on, learn from it and continue to move on. But get out of the space where, why did this happen to me? Because who do you think you are that things won't happen to you? And then I had to really think about that. And that's what kind of gets me through at the same time, fix it, go on, learn from it, but it's going to happen. Things are going to happen. So mm-hmm. just understand that. Wow. So that's what I think about. And it's kind of served me. And now that you put in the leadership perspective, it, 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 I'm seeing that again. So. There's, your mom has a lot of wisdom, Giselle. You know that. Other thoughts? I just wanted to talk a little bit um, and kind of circle back to what Noah said as well about the first one. I I just kind of smiled to myself when you said that, because when I first took this position six years ago, um, I remember having to leave the first time for a county meeting and everybody was sort of like, oh my God, you can't go, you can't go. And I remember saying to my executive secretary, if I can't leave this building, something's wrong with me. And I know that I just got here and I, I was starting to build that culture, but I've always thought that that is my role as a building leader or a district level leader is that we do need to build those that are around us so that again, they don't need you. And like Noah said, it's almost like you're, you're building people up so that you're going to be obsolete, which I think we all recognize that we, we really won't be, but nonetheless, you know, you, you need to be able to sort of step out and take yourself out of there to be able to see everyone else's successes. And then in the same thought too, you know, I, I know I've talked a lot about my family during this year with you guys, and they are always in the forefront and, you know, they are the ones that drive me to continue to do what I do. But nonetheless, I always think to myself, you know, I am replaceable. If I walked out of here 
tomorrow, they would find someone on Wednesday to replace me. Um, or if something were to happen and you know I was unable to come back, they will find someone to replace me. So everyone is replaceable. And again, just kind of going back to that, you're not as important as you think, you know, that's something that can ground you. Um, but again, trying to build everyone up around you so that you're not the sole person that this building or the district is going to fall apart without you. And then I just sort of wanted to circle back around to that middle one too about relationships. You know, that's the one thing that I have always put in the forefront as an administrator. Um, I tend to um, be very open and honest with people. You know, I've, I've got three kids that I've had to raise and things do happen when you're a mom, a dad, um, you know, when you're taking care of maybe elderly parents or whatnot, and you have to have that compassion. Um, you have to be able to make sure that people truly do understand that you do care about them as a person, you care about their families, um, you know, happy employees make a good workplace, which then, you know, you're going to get good results. So it's just also important to consider and, um, you know, kind of keep in the forefront as you're moving forward. So. Oh, that's so good, Rachel. Thanks for those reminders. And, and you're right. Um, there's, there's a, it's a tight job market right now. And it doesn't matter what survey you look at or what research you look at. It always comes back to that. Just people want to work in places where they feel respected uh, and cared for, and they know their leaders look at them as people, not just as like jobs. And so, um, and, and that doesn't mean they're not, the, the crazy part is they're typically more productive when they're in envi environments like that. So when you focus on those relationships, you're actually increasing productivity, which seems the opposite. You, you would think it's the task that makes people more productive, but it's actually the opposite. It's providing them the right environment to to accomplish their tasks that makes them more productive. These are some some questions to sit on as we wrap up. But you know, as you think about your legacy, and, and again, yeah, I love it, Lisa, that you sometimes take these to your staff. Um, all of the questions that I'm pulling from, from, uh, from this book study are available. Um, there's a free study guide that I can point you guys to. And I'm going to put a link up here in just a minute if you want to get a copy of it. But there's a free study guide that comes where every chapter of, of the book that we've covered this year has all of these questions listed. And these, um, the questions from this chapter, are, you know, what kind of story do you want to leave behind? You know, what, what is the story that you want others to be able to tell about you someday? And I guarantee it's going to be more connected to your relationships than it is to your outcomes. What would you like written on your tombstone? And I know that's a morbid question, but when it comes to legacy, I guarantee the things we want written on our tombstones are not going to be what was on our resume. And so keep keep those important um, principles in mind of how you want to treat others. And then number three, how would you apply knowing you are not as important as you think and more important than you think to your influence on others? Because even as you step away from this meeting today, you're going to be playing both those roles of being able to build others' capacities. But at the same time, remember that every moment you have with them is a moment that can be positive or negative, depending on how you how you use it. So as we wrap up, I know we're we're down to the last minute or two of our time together. So uh, we're not going to have time, sadly, to all reflect together. But let me just ask you to do this self practice um, this week, because your ability to care for yourself will reflect how you care for others. So think about this week: How are you being visible with every student, every teacher, every day? Are you taking time to meditate, listen, read, reflect on helpful books or lessons? 
Are you making healthy choices in your sleep, nutrition, and exercise? Are you being faithful to your loved ones with your time and attention? You'll notice all of these are just summaries of what we've talked about this whole semester. And, uh, and, and these are the practices that, as leaders that if we keep circling around again and again and again, then we are pausing and we're breathing and we're reflecting. Well, guys, I know we're wrapping up, but as we do, I just want to thank you for all the work you guys have done this year, taking care of your kids and, uh, and for the time we've been connecting. I wish you the best. Have a great end of your school year, and I'll see you soon. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.